Do you ever just stop and look at what has been built around us? We take for granted the ease of buildings nowadays. Sure, some are incredibly complex and any normal person wouldn't even know where to begin. But thankfully, we have the tools and the people with knowledge to get us through it. But what if we go back in history to man-made sculptures that still baffle us to this day? And even more so, they're still standing today. Let's get into it. We are all aware of the more famous religious statues and buildings that exist today. From the Cross the Redeemer statue in Rio de Janeiro to the Marble Mountains in Vietnam, they are all extremely well built and strike awe in everyone who views them. But none compare to the marvel that is Angkor Wat, a Cambodian temple so iconic it's featured on their flag. Described by a Portuguese monk in the 16th century as of such extraordinary construction that it is not possible to describe it with a pen, particularly since it is like no other building in the world. Built in the 12th century, covering a site of around 162 hectares and surrounded by a 190 meter wide moat, Nothing is more impressive than this temple. Built to resemble the Mount Meru, the Hindon version of Mount Olympus, the buildings were built using sandstone blocks which were quarried from the holy mountain of Nemkulen, quick 50 kilometers away. The blocks were then floated down the Siem Reap River, aboard rafts, and then constructed with the help of over 300,000 workers using around 6,000 elephants. The outer wall measures just over a kilometer long, with a height of around 800 meters. When entering, you are greeted by a staggering 235-meter-wide decorated main entrance, as well as a 4-meter-tall statue of Vishnu, with arms open, holding a mace, spear, conch, and a couple other unique items. The temple is comprised of three rectangular galleries that rise to a central tower. Each level is higher than the previous. The two inner galleries each have their own four large towers, which represent the ordinal corners, namely northwest, northeast, southeast, and southwest. The decorations and carvings along the temple city have sadly eroded as time has passed, firstly due to age and natural elements, and secondly due to previous attempts at cleaning the walls with harsh chemicals. Since 1992, there have been increased attempts at restoring aspects with team from countries like France, India, and Japan tackling various sections. If I remember correctly, Japan spent three years between 2002 to 2005 helping restore one of the buildings. They took such care in it that they had to take so much longer to do it, for good reason. As you can imagine, Angkor Wat is a major tourist attraction, which sees over 200 million foreign tourists a year. With ticket revenue going mainly to maintenance and restoration efforts, the influx of tourist attraction has definitely given the temple a fighting chance at surviving for at least another thousand years. When I first saw pictures of the temple, I was actually quite surprised that it wasn't classified as one of our seven world wonders. I mean, there are some very impressive ones within that, but just the detail and the size that went into this temple... It's amazing. I'll put up pictures on our Instagram just so you can see for yourself how great it looks. There's different architectural drawings online where you can see the moat around and the two pools as you enter and the different towers. 
But until you see the pictures and just the greenery and the forests around it, it's honestly something out of a movie. It is insanely beautiful looking and definitely on the list of one of the things I want to see. So go check it out. And please, if you want to go search a bit more on it, the history behind it is fantastic as well. The people that built it, I mean, this is back in the 12th century. This is ancient, ancient, ancient uh, buildings and like the construction that went into it is much like what you could have experienced on the on the pyramids and all that back in the day. It's really cool. So go give it a check and yeah, let me know what you think. But I'm pretty sure Luke has some, you know, input as well. Luke, take it away. Hey guys, it's me, Luke. Thanks for staying tuned. And great story, Brett. Let's just pretend that I knew what you said for your topic. Anyways, for my man-made Marvel of the day, that's a tongue twister, I'd like to talk about something pretty special to me. A place that I've actually been to before. Now, I'll be honest, this doesn't happen often. Most of the time here on the podcast, we describe things and places that we've researched, but never actually experienced. So I thought I'd use this topic to throw some personal insight into the mix. So I'm going to give a bit of history, as well as my personal story, as we go along. If I say the word castle... What do you think of? Well, most likely the big strongholds or fortresses with large stone turrets and the like come to mind. And you'd be correct. As we all know, castles were typically built for the express purpose of protecting those inside from attacks by invading armies and things like that. Hence all the moats and the thin windows for archers and whatnot. However, the castle I want to talk about today is definitely different. You see, I want to talk a bit about the Neuschwanstein Castle one of the most famous neo-gothic-styled castles ever built, and a true beauty to behold. Now, if you have no idea what Neuschwanstein Castle is, well, it's a castle, obviously, but it was built in a time where having a castle was no longer necessary for typical castle functions. Thus, it was built with strong design, comfort, and luxury in mind, rather than functionality. Now, if you picture in your mind those big, lavish, gothic-styled medieval castles you might be starting to get an idea of what Neuschwanstein Castle is all about. It's essentially a fairy tale castle. The castle is situated atop a very high hill in Bavaria, in southern Germany. It has amazing 360 degree views of the surrounding landscape and is surrounded by dense forest. Okay, I'm starting to sound a little bit like a real estate agent, but bear with me. It's honestly breathtakingly beautiful. Many Disney castles are rumored to have been based off of its design. Inside, it has many intricate paintings and murals, running water, hot water, and even functioning toilets, which was quite a rarity for something built so many years ago. Now, it was constructed in 1868 by order of King Ludwig II, aka the Mad King Ludwig. Back in the day, the area had three castles, one of which was known as Schwanstein Castle. Many years later, in 1832, Ludwig's dad, King Maximilian II, built a castle known as Hohenschwangau on the ruined remains of the Schwanstein Castle, which the family then used as a summer home of sorts. Now, you'll recall I said the area had three castles. Well, the other two castles were built atop a hill overlooking the land and village below, and also overlooking the Schwanstein Castle, which is now Hohenschwangau Castle. At the time of Ludwig being king, those two castles were essentially ruins now as well. So Ludwig decided to purchase the land and began construction of his new castle, which he wanted to call New Hohenschwangau Castle, in place of where those ruins were, 
However, King Ludwig passed away before seeing its completion and it got renamed to Neuschwanstein Castle. Very confusing, I know. Essentially, there's a bit of a name swap because Neuschwanstein Castle is not where the old Schwanstein Castle was, but in place of those two other castles up on the hill. Anyway, moving on. King Ludwig was known to have a bit of a romantic side, but I mean in the fashion sense, not the relationship sense. He loved all things romanticism, which is essentially a fancy way of saying lavish, beautiful, and let's say extra designs. He commissioned the castle to be built with this style in mind, taking inspiration from various designs of other castles he had visited before. He afforded all this by a large influx of cash that became available after his grandfather, King Ludwig I, had passed. The castle was designed by a man named Christian Young and realized by the architect, Edward Wiedel. King Ludwig made sure that he had the final say on each and every aspect of its design and construction though, so that he could tell everybody that the castle was his own creation. Quite a narcissistic move if you ask me, but anyway. Although King Ludwig expected the whole thing to be built in a very unrealistic three years, at five years in, only the gateway building was inhabitable. So he was a bit off on that one. He died in 1886, well before the castle's completion. He apparently went mad and drowned in a lake, but that's a whole story for the conspiracy nuts another time. Now luckily for the world, Neuschwanstein Castle remained out of the way and of strategic unimportance. Therefore, it managed to survive two world wars completely unscathed and remained strong to this day. In fact, Adolf Hitler liked it so much he even painted a picture of it. Now not much has really happened since then. Nowadays it's a very popular tourist attraction, seeing sometimes upward of 6,000 tourists in a single day during peak season. But speaking of tourists, let's move on to my time at the castle. So strap in folks, it gets dumb. In 2015, a colleague of mine and myself were flown to Bavaria for work, and on the weekends we got to explore a bit. We made the trip one day to the castle because, well, I mean tourists are going to tour, you know. Now this was in February, so it was still winter and pretty chilly. Naturally, we picked a day where everything was snowed out to all hell, but we went anyway. Fun fact, water does not substitute as antifreeze in Germany. You need antifreeze or you cannot see where you are going. Anyway, so we drove to this sort of starting point near the front of the castle, where we then had to walk a bit to reach the castle itself. The closer we got, the more it sort of loomed over us, and I must say it's absolutely beautiful. Now, there weren't many others around that day, which was very, very nice, but unfortunately for us, the main castle was actually closed, and there weren't any more inside tours happening that day, only tours of the sort of inner courtyard, which was interesting, but... Not really enough. We came all this way. We needed some pics for the gram, you know? So we saw this path that you're at that leads to a very famous viewpoint of the castle. This viewpoint is actually on a bridge on a neighboring hill. The bridge is called Mary's Bridge, which King Ludwig named after his mother. However, it did seem like fate was against us because the path was closed because of all the snow, which had obviously covered the way, making it very hard to navigate. Now... I'm sure you're starting to see where this is going, but my colleague and I, being the idiotic tourists we were, decided to hop this fence blocking the way and go anyway. So we followed what we could make out to be the path and ended up getting completely lost somewhere in the snowy forest. I think we were almost on the way to Switzerland, to be honest. 
we weren't like scary lost because we could sort of follow our tracks to go back the way we came, but we were definitely off the trail. Our determination did not waver. After about an hour or so of hiking the snow in a wholly unsuitable clothing, feet and legs drenched, we finally encountered a hiker making his way to the bridge. This hacker was dressed in one of those full Lumo snow gear suits, you know, with the little walking sticks with the spikes on them. So we probably looked like a couple of idiots there in jeans and sneakers. But anyway, <laughs> we followed the trail that he was taking, being very careful to keep our distance so he didn't think we were being weird and following him. And we finally did get to the bridge. The ironic thing is that by the time we got there, the bridge was full of people and they had actually opened the pathway not too long after we jumped the fence. So, great. Anyway, the view did make our little excursion all worth it. Positively amazing experience, and to see that castle perched up on this foresty hill, surrounded by the vast expanse of the Alps, I mean, words don't do it justice. Go do a quick Google search of the castle, and you'll immediately see what I mean, and just understand that experiencing that firsthand is a memory I'm never going to forget. But... That was about it, really. Um, really glad to have been able to actually see the castle in all of its glory. Bit upsetting that we didn't get to go inside. But, I mean, outside's really where you want to be anyway. It's the, the picturesque views of it all from the outside. Anyway, that's all from me on Yushuanstein Castle. Hope you enjoyed that. Little nuggets of information. I apologize for my pronunciation of some of the names. I did try very hard, but guarantee they're not quite perfect. But anyway, what cool man-made marvels have you guys seen? Pop us a mail about it or something, you know? Give us some feedback and maybe we can talk about them on the show. If you like this episode, please show some love and like and subscribe to all the things. You know the drill by now. Brett's not here to say the spiel for me. But anyway, until next time, stay fresh. Stay freaky. Thanks, Brett. Bye. Bye.